0: Father, we come before you humbly, desiring that Christ would be lifted up and all men drawn to him right here in our midst today. We thank you for his precious promise that where two or three are gathered in his name, he is there. We thank you for his precious promise, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Father, we thank you that he, the eternal son of God, came down, took upon himself the flesh of mankind, born in the likeness of men and yet without sin. We thank you, Lord, that every day of his life was a day of holiness, a day of perfect obedience to your law, a day that he marched toward the cross to die for our unholiness and our rebellion against your law. We thank you for Jesus, Lord. We thank you for salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, In Jesus Christ alone, to your glory alone. And we pray it in that matchless, unsurpassed name, the name of Jesus. Amen. Christ alone, dear saints, is our rally cry. Christ alone is our battle cry. I remind you again in the midst of tens of thousands of Roman Catholics filling the streets of Philadelphia, that I preached the name of Jesus as the one name under heaven given to men by which you must be saved. And their response was over and over again for days and all day, every day, their response was Mary, Mary, Mary. And if not Mary, 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 the response was, Francis, Francis, Francis. There we stood in the midst of a multitude, a sea of Roman Catholics, with the largest amplifier we could find held high above our heads because it was body to body, pressed close together, a mass of humanity on those streets coming to receive grace from the Pope. And we lifted up the name of Jesus. We dare lift up the name of Jesus. His very name means Savior. And we lifted him up as the only name, the singular name given under heaven by God for salvation. And their heart response, their passionate response, was to cry out against the name of Jesus. Mary, Mary, Mary. Mary, Francis, Francis, Francis. Oh, how tragic, saints. But how clear. They reveal their hearts clearly. They reveal their unregenerate state clearly. They reveal that they're dead in sin and trespass clearly. They reveal that they know nothing of the salvation that comes, the knowledge of the Lamb through the Holy Scriptures clearly. And by God's grace, we hold fast to Christ alone. By God's grace, we lift up the truth of Christ alone, whether it's in a sea of Catholics in the midst of Philadelphia or here in our local church or outside the walls of our local church in the streets of Portland, Oregon, And across the state of Oregon and across these United States and around the globe, every true Christian holds fast and proclaims Christ alone. Hear me, saints. It's not enough to proclaim Christ. It's not enough to proclaim Christ. Does that sound like blasphemy? The Mormons proclaim Christ. The Jehovah's Witnesses proclaim Christ the Muslims, you might be shocked to know, proclaim Christ. Every unregenerate atheist proclaims Christ all day long as a curse word in their filthy mouths. There's much proclamation of Christ. It is which Christ, oh Catholic friend. Which Christ. You see, the Christ of Scripture is not the brother of Lucifer. The Christ of Scripture is not the Archangel Michael. The Christ of Scripture is not a prophet, but not God, not crucified, not resurrected on the third day. The Christ of Scripture is not a wafer. The Christ of Scripture is not at peace with Mary, the comediatrix. The Christ of Scripture is not at peace with baptismal regeneration, the Christ of Scripture is not at peace with purgatory, since he said, "To tell us die," and bowed his head and gave up his spirit. So which Christ are you referring to is a vital question. Which Christ do we preach? We preach Christ alone. We preach the Christ that demands to be preached as Christ alone. That is the Christ. We preach. Turn your Bibles to First Corinthians chapter one. And we'll find the Christ we preach there. In verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So we have clarity that the message of the cross, the message of Christ's cross, the message of Jesus, the Christ, fully God, Fully man and yet without sin, crucified for sinners, taking the fullness of the wrath of the Almighty that our sins deserve, pronouncing to tell us, die, it is finished, he paid the sin debt, bowing his head, giving up his spirit, being buried and resurrected on the third day, conquering sin and Satan and death on behalf of all those who repent of unbelief and put their faith in Christ as their Lord, believing in their heart that God has raised him from the dead. Romans 10 9. That cross. That truth is foolishness to those who are perishing. That Christ is foolishness to those who are perishing. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. To those of us who are being saved. You see, salvation is authored and finished by God. He calls, we come, we come, he holds us fast. He will not let us go. None will be lost from the hand of God. Verse 19, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? The world wants wisdom. They want highfaluting arguments, theological, philosophical, and otherwise. But God gave us the simplicity of Christ, the simplicity of the cross, the simplicity of one word, to tell us die, it is finished. In our pride, our intellectual pride, our religious pride, our philosophical pride, we don't want the simplicity of Christ and his cross and his to tell us die. We aren't satisfied with that. And so we go searching the books of men, for the ideas of men, for the religion of men, and in that we will perish. We hold the cross. Foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Again, verse 20, Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. You must recognize at the outset, if you're going to follow Christ, obey Christ, make much of Christ and be useful to Christ, that others might be saved through a knowledge of Christ... That the message of Christ and his cross is foolishness to all men until it becomes the wisdom of God to them by the grace of God alone. Through regeneration, through illumination, the power of the Holy Spirit. And so it will be foolishness to the atheist, to the agnostic, to the Muslim, to the Mormon, to the Jehovah's Witness, to the Catholic. It will be foolishness, until it's not, until the Lord opens their blind eyes, until the Lord unstops their deaf ears, and faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. We come with the message of the cross. We come with the message of Christ. We come with this to tell us die. We come with the simplicity of the gospel. For since the wisdom of God, verse 21, for since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. Don't lean into wisdom. Don't lean into argument. Lean into the message of God. Lean into the message of the cross. Lean into the message of Jesus Christ. For therein is the power of God to salvation. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. It pleased God through the Foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. Verse 22, for the Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom. Signs will not save. Arguments, philosophy will not save. Religion, religious nuances, ad nauseum will not save. The cross of Christ saves. The gospel of Christ saves. Jesus Christ, his person and his work, that is what saves. And that is what we preach. Jews request a sign. Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews, a stumbling block. And to the Greeks, foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of of God. Christ is both the power of God and the wisdom of God. The world disdains the wisdom of God. Even the church disdains the wisdom of God. And they try to reach the world with their own religious philosophical wisdom rather than preaching the simplicity and the glory and the magnificence of Christ. And this cross relentlessly, dogmatically, unbudgingly, stubbornly That's our mission, Christ alone. And when we commit ourselves to that mission, we turn the world upside down. When we fill our Jerusalem with the doctrine of Christ like the apostles did of old, we turn our city, our Jerusalem, and our world upside down to the glory of God. And hear me, there's no other means of turning the world upside down. There's no other means of seeing your children saved. There's no other means of seeing your adult children saved who have yet to bend their knee to Christ, confess Him as Lord. There's no other means of seeing your dear neighbor saved. The atheist one. The agnostic one. The Muslim one. The Catholic one. Except as faith come by hearing and hearing the word of God, and the central message of the word of God is Jesus and his gospel beginning to end. So verse 23, but we preach Christ in contrast to what they seek. They seek signs, they seek wisdom. In contrast, but instead of, in, against that, but we preach Christ. Crucified. To the Jews a stumbling block To the Greeks, foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. To the called. To the called. Let's take a moment and turn to Romans. Romans chapter 8. We dare not touch 9. That's entirely too dangerous. Romans chapter 8, verse 29 For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. And whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. He, 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 he. God is the author and the finisher of our faith. It's the golden chain of salvation. It begins with his sovereign predestination, it finishes with glory. He predestined, he called, he justified, he glorified. Thus, sola de gloria, all glory goes to God. No glory goes to any pope. No glory goes to any priest. No glory goes to any church, Roman Catholic or otherwise. All glory goes to God. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. This is a sovereign call, an irresistible call. When you call are called by the sovereign God of the universe, you come. And you'll never be let go. You will Never ultimately depart. Not meaning you will not stumble. Not meaning that even David's horrific stumble might not befall one who is called of God, but meaning David's glorious repentance will follow said fall if it should take place to the glory of God. And so we preach Christ crucified to the Jews, a stumbling block, to the Greeks, foolishness, but to those who are called. We actually believe in the sovereignty of God. It's not just a doctrinal statement on a page. We believe it. We don't just call ourselves Reformed or Calvinists. We believe in God's sovereignty and salvation because the Scriptures declare it. We believe in God's sovereignty of salvation because the Scriptures also declare our total depravity. That no man seeks God. No man understands. They have all turned aside. Together they become unprofitable. No one does good. No, not one. We believe these things because the scripture is clear. And thus to God be the glory in every salvation and in all salvation. And thus we can with utter confidence preach Christ crucified. That salvation is by grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone, not in Christ plus the church, not in Christ plus priestly absolution, not in Christ plus baptism, not in Christ plus anything. Now, Rome likes to say, just so you know, this is their religious nuance, their satanic deception. Well, it's not plus Christ. It's all of Christ. This is just how Christ does it. No, it's all plus Christ. It's Christ alone, or it's plus Christ. It's Christ alone, or you have nullified grace. You seek to be justified by law, Galatians 5.4. You've been estranged from Christ, cut off from Christ. They said Christ. They might have even thought Christ alone, but they definitely said Christ. Yes, we believe in Christ. We have faith in Christ, but they added circumcision. They added dietary restrictions. Oh, but you know, that's just, That's just part of how Christ works out our salvation. We're cooperating with. No, Paul came through the door and said, no, you have nullified grace. You are cut off. You are estranged from Christ. You are attempting to be justified by law. No, we're not. No, we're not, says the priest, says the Judaizer in Galatia. No, we're not. It's Jesus. No, if it's not Jesus alone, it's not Jesus at all. Hear that again. If it's not Jesus alone, it's not Jesus at all. You have no part of him. No part of him. Galatians is so clear. That's part of what we looked at last Wednesday night. What a blessing it was to get that clarity. It's either all of grace, all of Christ, or it's all of law, all of works. And you will perish because the law stands as ten cannons pointed at your chest and all ten will be unleashed upon you and expose your sin. And so, in contrast to the Jews who want signs and the Greeks who seek after wisdom, we stubbornly, dogmatically, unbudgingly, passionately, joyously, lovingly, hear me, lovingly preach Christ. To preach anything else is hate. We preach Christ alone because we love God and we love perishing sinners. But we preach Christ crucified, crucified. What tense is that, my grammarian friends? Past. To tell us die, it is finished. Crucified, it is finished. Past tense. It's not ongoing. We're not re-crucifying Christ in a non-bloody manner every day in mass. We preach Christ crucified. To the Jews a stumbling block, to the Greeks foolishness, we get that. We get that. Nevertheless, we preach Christ crucified because we get this. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ The power of God and the wisdom of God. The power of God and the wisdom of God. Do you believe that? Do you know the Greek there? Dunamis. Power. Do you know what other English word comes from dunamis? Dynamite. The power of God. The dunamis power of God is in the gospel of Jesus Christ. The dunamis power of God is in the name and the cross of Jesus Christ. This is the power of God unto salvation. Believe it for you, and believe it for everyone else. Sometimes we're inconsistent. We believe it for ourselves. But then we go out there and we face an unbelieving world and we think, oh, this Goliath, Goliath Islam, Goliath Jehovah's Witness, Goliath Atheism, Goliath Mormonism, Goliath Catholicism, and it's 1.23 billion adherents. This Goliath needs something special. No, One little stone shall fell, Goliath, the stone of God's word, the stone of Christ himself, preached from the word. Goliath shall fall before that stone. For all those who Christ pronounced to tell us die over, to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. The wisdom. This is the height of God's wisdom. And we tend to disdain it. How do we disdain it? We lean into our wisdom. We lean into our argument. We lean into our religious nuanced explanation of whatever bologna sandwich we're delivering up. Oh, that we would lean into Christ, lean into his cross, lean into the power of God's word, declaring Christ and the cross, making men wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And lean in hard, lean in relentlessly. And in that, we will see revival. In that, we will see cities turned upside down. In that, we will see modern day Ninevehs saved, born again from above. What a miracle that would be. What a miracle that would be. And our God is still a God of miracles, certainly, still the God of the miracle of regeneration. Dare we doubt him? Like Jonah of old? Actually, he didn't doubt him. Jonah of old has far more faith than most preachers today. Jonah of old actually was confident that if he went and preached, God would have mercy and they would repent. (laughs) It was his hard heart that compelled him not to go and preach. He didn't want them to repent. We claim to want them to repent. We claim to want them to be saved. And yet so often we will not lean into Christ and his cross, his gospel and the power of his word to save them. And we think the power of the sandwich will save. The power of argument will save. The power of turning up our worship music loud enough will save. Making the church like the world and bringing rated R movie clips in will save. Making the church a, a circus will make the world like the church and like Jesus. They will never like Jesus. They will never love Jesus, unless they're born again. Our job is to proclaim Jesus and his gospel and to let God regenerate those whom he's calling to himself, granting them the twin gifts of repentance and faith. Christ alone, dear saints, no antichrist pope, No Antichrist bishop, no Antichrist priest, no Antichrist church, no Antichrist sacrament saves, no Antichrist wafer, no works which we do or any other sinful human being does, no proclamation that we make or any other sinful human being makes. Christ alone saves. And there we stand, to the glory of God. There we stand. Charles Spurgeon was a reformer. I love his gospel commitment and his reformation fire. Charles Spurgeon said this regarding Roman Catholicism, quote, We must have no truce, no treaty with Rome. War, war to the knife with her. Peace there cannot be. She cannot have peace with us. We cannot have peace with her. She hates the true church, and we can only say that the hatred is reciprocated. You say, what, pastor? The hatred of the false church of Rome. Not Catholics. The system, the church, the heresies. Satan's own church with Satan's own doctrines of demons. Yes, we hate that, because God does, and God will cast the whole thing into hell. We would not lay a hand upon her priest. We would not touch a hair of their heads. Let them be free. But their doctrine we would destroy from the face of the earth is the doctrine of devils. So let it perish, O God, and let the evil thing become as the fat of lambs. Into smoke let it consume. Yea, into smoke let it consume away. He said elsewhere, It is impossible that the church of Rome must spread. When we who are the watchdogs of the fold are silent, and others are gently and smoothly turfing the road and making it as soft and smooth as possible, that converts may travel down to the nethermost hell of popery. The velvet has got into our ministers' mouths of late, but we must unrobe ourselves of soft raiment, and truth must be spoken, and nothing but truth." For of all lies which have dragged millions down to hell, I look upon this as being one of the most atrocious, that in a Protestant church, there should be found those who swear that baptism saves the soul. I come with much brevity, and I hope with much earnestness, to say that faith is the indispensable requisite to salvation. Faith in Christ alone. This faith is the gift of God. It is the work of the Holy Spirit. My hearers, if you would be saved, you must believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me urge you with all my heart to look nowhere but to Christ crucified for your salvation. Oh, if you rest upon any ceremony, though it be baptism, if you rest upon any other than Jesus Christ, you must perish as surely as as this book is true. Any church which puts in the place of justification by faith in Christ, another method of salvation is a harlot church. End quote. Charles Spurgeon was a reformer. I love him. Oh, that God would raise up more like him in our day. Clarity is needed. Clarity. Again, I remind you that if you went across Portland, if you went across the state of Oregon, if you went across these United States, if you traversed the globe today on the Lord's Day and you managed to be there after the service of every church and you asked the saints coming forth who professed to believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, the genuine gospel, you asked them. Are Roman Catholics going to heaven when they die? The vast majority would say, I'm not sure, or worse, yes. Why is that? Because their pastors are not speaking and preaching with the clarity of Holy Scripture. The pastors are not speaking, teaching, and preaching with the clarity of Charles Spurgeon. They've cried, peace, peace, when there can be no peace. And again, it's to the greater shame of those who dare, dare call themselves Reformed and celebrate the Reformation. It's to their great shame. Christ alone. I promised or near promised to bring the fire of God's Word, the sword of the Spirit, to bear upon Roman Catholic baby sprinkling, which they call baptism. Baptism which is the heresy of baptismal baptismal regeneration. And so I'm going to do that, and Lord willing, we'll do that, and then we'll move to Roman Catholicism's ecumenical heresy, for both are an assault on Christ alone. There are other assaults, some of which I've already mentioned, but we'll lean into these assaults. We'll lay the match, the torch, Upon these assaults to the truth, to the doctrine, to the glory of salvation through Christ alone. Roman Catholicism's baby sprinkling heresy. Paragraph 1263 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church says, and I quote By baptism, all sins are forgiven, original sin and personal sin, as well as all punishment. For sin. Now, anyone have any issue with that? Yes, every single one of you, if you know the gospel of Jesus Christ and you're born again from above, you all have issue with that. Starting with by baptism, the first two words of paragraph 1263, by baptism. You say, wait, wait, stop, time out. <clears throat> you mean baby sprinkling because the Bible is clear that that's not baptism. I love our Reformed brothers and sisters, but I do contend with them that they should continue to be Reformed. Semper Reformanda. They should allow the Word of God, the water of the Word, to define for them what baptismal water is. And it is not sprinkling. It is not the sprinkling of babies. What water baptism is, is clearly the expression of faith. It's clearly a believer confessing Jesus Christ as Lord and following Him in obedience and telling the world, I have died with Christ, I've been resurrected with Christ by grace alone, through faith alone, to newness of life. And now I am serving Him. And so we take issue. With the first two words, by baptism, all sins are forgiven. We certainly take issue with those words. By baptism, all sins are forgiven. And we have a word for that, heresy. Soul damning false doctrine. That's our word for that statement. By baptism, all sins are forgiven. So with every single one of your Roman Catholic friends who you might be tempted to think I think this Catholic man or woman or priest, what madness, is actually a believer, is actually a Christian, is actually saved. What is your question for them? Have you repented of your baptism? Have you repented of placing your faith outside of Christ alone in your so-called baptism, which is no baptism at all? An unholy priest sprinkling unholy water on an unholy baby does not constitute baptism. It does not remove original sin. It does not free them from all punishment of sin. Again, the Catechism says, by baptism, all sins are forgiven. Original sin and all personal sins, as well as all punishment for sin. And that is why the Roman Catholic Church has the rotting arm of one of their heretic heroes put in a glass case because it baptized thousands, thus saving them from original sin and all punishment for sin. And so we put the rotting arm of one of their heretic priests in glass to be revered and honored and even worshipped. By baptism, all sins are forgiven, original sin and all personal sins, as well as all punishment of sin. So if you have a priest or a Roman Catholic man or woman who professes faith in Jesus Christ, says, no, I'm saved just like you, through faith in Jesus Christ. You say to them, no, you're not saved like me through faith in Jesus Christ, because my faith is in Jesus Christ alone. And your faith is in Jesus Christ and baptism, which is no baptism at all. Have you repented of your baptism? And hear me, I remind you again of the madness of pastors, so-called Protestant pastors, Reformed pastors, Baptist pastors, Bible-believing pastors, saying that they have friends that are priests that are even saved. And I ask, have they repented of the heresy of baptismal regeneration? Well, no, I don't know. Then how could you ever pronounce them saved? Have they repented of sprinkling babies and pronouncing them forgiven of all sin? I don't know. Then what madness is this? This is nearly a universal madness out there. It is. Everyone wants to say that the priest they know, the Catholic man or woman they know, is actually saved. They have faith in Jesus. What kind of faith? What Jesus? What kind of faith? What Jesus? Jesus the wafer? Jesus, the pal and buddy of the co-mediatrix Mary? Jesus alone? These are vital gospel questions, saints. This is not slicing the bread thin. This is basic. It's basic gospel math. Christ alone. All sins are forgiven, original sin and all personal sins, as well as all punishment for sin. Well, have you repented of that baptism? Hmm, no. Well, then you're not saved. Why must they repent of the baptism? Because Jesus said, repent and believe the gospel. And if they're believing that baptism, what haven't they done? They have not repented, nor have they believed in the gospel. So what aren't they? They aren't saved. So what aren't they? They're not your brothers and sisters in Christ, Doug Wilson, or anyone else who says they are. Why does Doug Wilson say there are brothers and sisters in Christ? Because they have been baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's why he says it. But they haven't been baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Infants have been sprinkled by a heretic priest. Doug Wilson says that makes them members of the new covenant, that makes them members of the church. And he receives them as brothers and sisters in Christ. The Word of God says, you must repent to believe the gospel. Repent of baby-sprinkling heresy, which declares all sins are forgiven, original sin and all personal sins, as well as all punishment for sin. Paragraph 1265 of the Catholic Catechism says, baptism not only purifies from all sins, but also makes the neophyte a new creature, an adopted son of God who has become a partaker of the divine nature, member of Christ and co-heir with him in a temple of the Holy Spirit. Well, that's about as thorough as it gets. It's not enough just to say that you've been forgiven and and all punishment is removed from you, but you are a member of the church. You're an adopted son of God. You you are indwelt by the Spirit of God. And so again, our question for every Roman Catholic who professes to be saved by faith, just like you, I have faith in Jesus, just like you, or any Professing Protestant, pastor or otherwise, professing Evangelical Christian, pastor or otherwise, who says they have Catholic friends that are saved, is have they repented of that heretical baptism? Well, I don't know. Then how could you ever pronounce them saved? There are those that are close to the truth and yet still have not come to clarity in the truth yet, and they get pretty put out when I say there are no saved Roman Catholics? Whoa. How could you say that? Because if God has saved them, they're no Roman Catholic. If God has saved them, they're born again from above. If God has saved them, they're Roman Catholic no more. Amen? Amen. If God has saved them, it's not just what they did in their own intellectual powers. God has regenerated them. God has what comes with regeneration, two gifts, primarily, repentance and faith. God has granted them repentance of all that is contrary to Christ and His gospel. And He's granted them faith in Christ and His gospel. This is basic. And yet, some very otherwise intelligent men and women miss this basic gospel truth consistently. Stubbornly even. And so they get bent out of shape. When I say there are no saved Roman Catholics, praise God, there are a multitude of former Roman Catholics now saved through repentance and belief in the gospel. If they still are participating in heresy, if they're still trusting in sacraments that are contrary, opposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ, then they have not repented and believed the gospel. This is basic. This is like second, third grade math, right? This is not college, graduate level math. I don't claim to be a mathematician to that level. But I've got two plus two equals four down. I'm holding tight, saints. I'm holding tight. Paragraph 1213 of the catechism, says, quote, through baptism, we are freed from sin and reborn as sons of God. We become members of Christ and are incorporated into the church. You must repent of that if you're going to believe the gospel. If you haven't repented of that, you have not believed the gospel. You're not saved through Christ alone. You're not saved at all. First Peter chapter 1, verse 18 The fire of God's Word put to the Roman Catholic baptismal regeneration heresy says this, 1 Peter 1.18, Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish, and without spot, So you're not redeemed through corruptible things, anything of this world. It's all corruptible. All the things of this world are corruptible. But we tend to think of silver and gold as being really refined, really pure, really valuable, right? These are precious things, powerful things. But we're not redeemed with corruptible things. Even the, the purest of corruptible things, like silver and gold, From our aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers. What is this baptismal regeneration doctrine? What is this baptism so-called of Rome? It is aimless conduct received by tradition from the church fathers, the Roman Catholic church, Satan's church. We're not redeemed with that. We're not redeemed with unholy water. And there is no such thing as holy water. But rather, with the precious blood of Christ. The perfect, holy, 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 precious blood of Christ. This is more precious, more pure, more glorious than anything this world knows of. And through that alone we are redeemed through the blood of Jesus Christ, received by grace alone, through faith alone, and Jesus Christ alone. You must be warned that the Roman Catholic would say, yes, amen, the blood of Christ in the cup that we worship and drink for justification. They take their heresy of transubstantiation and interpret 1 Peter 1.18 through that. Revelation 5 verse 9, take the holy fire of God's word, the heresy of Roman Catholic baptismal regeneration. Romans 5 verse 9, you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation by your blood. We're redeemed of the blood, not through the sprinkling of unholy water from the hand of an unholy priest. Colossians 1, verse 13, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of His Son in His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. Again, as you consider 1 Corinthians chapter 1, for the message of the cross, the shed blood of Jesus, fully God, fully man. Is foolishness to those who are perishing. They want baptism. They want the priestly declaration that the infant is now a member of Christ's church and dwelt with the Holy Spirit, forgiven of original sin. In fact, original sin removed, forgiven of all sin, and out from under the condemnation of God. But we preach Christ crucified. 1 John. Chapter 1, verse 7. The blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Period. What does the Catechism of Rome say? The sprinkling of water from the hand of a priest cleanses us of all sin. There is no peace between the Church of Rome and the false gospel of Rome, and the true church of Jesus Christ, and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Their infant sprinkling is a blasphemy of the blood of Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17. Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved is the power of God. There we have baptism and the cross put head to head. And the Apostle Paul says, I was not sent to preach baptism. I was not sent to baptize. I was sent to preach Christ. Why does he say that? Because There were those in the early church, just like there are those now in the Catholic church, who were overemphasizing baptism, getting it out ahead of the gospel. And he says, oh, no, no, no. I'm not sent to baptize. I'm sent to preach the gospel. Now, he's not ultimately doing away with baptism. He's just putting it in its right place. We preach the gospel, for the gospel is the power of God to salvation. We preach Christ, for he alone saves. We preach his cross and his blood, for that alone saves. And when they are saved, born again from above, they've repented of unbelief and actually believed the gospel, then we baptize them as a celebration of what God has done, as a declaration of what God has done not as the power of God unto salvation. Titus chapter three, verse five. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done or our parents have done or the priest did on our behalf, but through the washing of regeneration, the renewing of the Holy Spirit, thus sola de gloria. And of course, the obvious, Ephesians 2, verses eight, verses 8 through 10. By grace, you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. And hear me, baby baptism, baby sprinkling isn't even of the baby. We would have to add, not of yourselves or your parents or the priest. If it's not of yourselves, and it's certainly not of your parents and the priest. By grace you have been saved through faith. Through what? Through faith. Your faith. You must repent of unbelief and place your faith by the grace of God in Jesus Christ alone. And thus you are saved. Gloriously saved. By grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are His workmanship. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. By grace, you have been saved through faith nothing of yourselves, that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, not of priestly works, not of parental works, not of your works. By grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone are we saved. And there we stand. Do we have time to cover Roman Catholicism's ecumenical heresy? Well, we'll make time. It's really quite clear. It really doesn't take that much time or this will just be an introduction. So I preached a basic declaration of the biblical truth of salvation through Christ alone. We considered the scriptures to that end. We considered Rome's antichrist doctrines where they bring in another Christ and they bring in another gospel. So it's not Christ at all and it's not Christ alone. (laughs) They've got a different Christ. The Christ is not in the wafer. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. The Christ is not at peace with Mary as a co-mediatrix. That's a false Christ. Any Christ is at peace with Mary as a co-mediatrix because the Christ is the one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ, Jesus. Amen. And yet Rome goes so much further, so much further. And most of our evangelistic endeavors, most of our preaching on the doctrine, the truth, the Reformation, sola, or solus Christus, Christ alone, never goes so far as to touch Roman Catholicism's ecumenical heresy. And it's shocking heresy. It's shocking heresy. It's obvious heresy. It's easy to expose I told you we don't have to go into all the complexities and nuances of, of Rome's false teaching. There are great, horrific boulders of heresy sitting on the surface of the earth. And this is one of them. And it's undeniable. And so when someone says, oh, I know a Roman Catholic is saved. Have they repented of Roman Catholicism's ecumenical heresy? What do you mean? Is going to be their answer more than likely. Oh, here's what I mean. Here's what I mean. Paragraph 1129 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Quote, the church affirms that for believers, the sacraments of the new covenant are necessary for salvation. Sacramental grace is the grace of the Holy Spirit given by Christ and proper to each sacrament. For believers, there is a distinction there. So if you profess faith in Jesus... If you identify with churchianity in some way, the church affirms that for believers, the sacraments of the new covenant are necessary for salvation. So they're really talking to Protestants. They're talking to non-Catholic Christians, believers. For you, the sacraments of the new covenant are necessary for salvation. Get back under Rome's skirt. Get back in here. Get back under those sacraments. Because they're necessary for salvation, which also tells you, of course, that they're not trusting in salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, because the sacraments are necessary for salvation, they say. Well, that doesn't sound very ecumenical, Pastor. Ah, don't forget that little qualifier, for believers. What does the Catholic Church teach regarding non-believers? It teaches that good people go to heaven without Christ or the church. Paragraph 847 opens with these words, quote, outside the Roman Catholic church, there is no salvation. And yet in direct contradiction of the paragraph goes on to say, quote, this affirmation is not aimed at those who through no fault of their own do not know Christ and his church. And so I've had Catholics, priests and otherwise, say, well, no, 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 we don't say that you... You can go to heaven outside of Christ or outside of the church of Rome. Look, it says right here, it says that outside the Roman Catholic Church, there is no salvation. But wait, Satan's tongue is forked. He is double-minded and unstable in all his ways, and so are his followers. And so you can say something that dogmatic, outside of the Roman Catholic Church, there is no salvation. And then immediately say, this affirmation is not aimed at those who through no fault of their own do not know Christ and His church. Those who through no fault of their own do not know the gospel of Christ or His church, but who nevertheless seek God with a sincere heart and move by grace, try in their actions to do His will as they know it through the dictates of their conscience, those too may achieve eternal salvation. Any Bible-believing Christians have a problem with that? Yes, you do. Those who through no fault of their own. Is that a true statement? Is there anyone who has no fault of their own? (laughs) No, we have all suppressed the truth and unrighteousness. That's what Romans 1 says. What What may be known of God has been revealed through creation. And what do we do with it? We suppress it in unrighteousness. And therefore, what's it say? The wrath of God is revealed from heaven. Against those who suppress the truth of God revealed in creation in their unrighteousness. Those who through no fault of their own do not know the gospel of Jesus Christ or His church, but who nevertheless seek God with a sincere heart. Does any unregenerate soul seek God with a sincere heart? No. No. And moved by grace, try in their actions to do His will as they know it. And moved by grace. If grace has moved you, where does it move you? To repentance of unbelief. To repentance of false gods and false gospels. And belief in the one true God and the true gospel. Again, paragraph 847 Catechism of the Catholic Church, this affirmation is not aimed at those who through no fault of their own do not know Christ and His church. Those who through no fault of their own do not know the gospel of Christ or His church, but who nevertheless seek God with a sincere heart and moved by grace, try in their actions, in their actions, what are we speaking to? Works-based salvation. But try in their actions to do His will as they know it through the dictates of their conscience, those too may achieve eternal salvation. How would you sum up that catechism statement? Good works save you, period. You can be a non-believer. You can be a worshiper of another God, a false God, an idol, but your good works will save you. What does the Bible say about good works? There aren't any. There aren't any. We have no good works. Jesus said this, Matthew 7, 13 through 14, enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Wow. So it seems like you must go through the narrow gate of Jesus Christ. And that's an absolute dogmatic. Yes, you must but what does rome go on to say in their ecumenical heresy they go on to say in paragraph 841 quote the church's relationship with the muslims the plan of salvation also includes those who acknowledge the creator in the first place amongst whom are the muslims these profess to hold the faith of abraham and together with us they adore the one merciful god mankind's judge on the last day and so their ecumenical heresy is declared generally, if you're a good person, responding to the light you're given, that you're going to be okay. You're going to be saved. You you too may achieve eternal salvation. But they go on to make a very specific statement with the Muslim horde. And I say that in historical reference because Islam came and knocked on the door of Rome once upon a time and called them to submit to Islam, submit to Allah. And so it seems they're making peace, so there could be no peace for survival's sake. So they can dwell peaceably with Islam in the earth because they picked them out of all the religions of the world and said, in the first place, amongst whom are the Muslims? These profess to hold the faith of Abraham, and together with us they adore the one merciful God, mankind's judge on the last day. And I don't deny Rome that. They do adore Satan with them. They do adore the evil one. They're both on the broad road of destruction. They're both preaching doctrines of demons. They're both Satan's religions. And so they have commonality in that. But this is ecumenical heresy. Bold, plain. And you can search all their explanations, and they try to nuance it here and there. They, they try to say, well, we're not really saying, and then they come back around full circle and say, but we are saying that you don't have to be Catholic, you don't have to be a Christian, you don't have to profess faith in Jesus. You can be saved through good works, and you can be saved through being a good Muslim. Are there any good people doing good works? Are there any good Muslims? The answer is no, no, and no, which is why what? They must Repent and believe the gospel. Let's keep it simple. Rome can't even get John 3.16 right. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but of everlasting life. Rome can't even get John 3.16 right. Whoever believes in Him should not perish but of everlasting life. Oh, no, 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 they say. Now, how far do they go? Well, the priest who presides over the Roman Catholic Church in Hillsborough went this far. As I went and knocked on his door and said, can I talk to you? He said, yes. I said, you know, how might I be saved? Let's start there. He said, why do you ask? I said, well, because it seems the Bible is clear that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wage of sin is death and hell. So how might I be saved? Why do you feel under such burden of sin? He was trying to talk me out of feeling like I wasn't saved outside of faith in Jesus Christ. I had to you know, keep going and say, well, it seems like the Bible says that sinners need to repent and confess Jesus Christ as Lord and their salvation in Jesus alone. Well, that, that's kind of restricted. I had to say, well, it seems like the catechism that I've been reading, it says that um, broads the way unto glory and there's, there's salvation outside of Jesus Christ. Yes, isn't the grace of God wonderful? No, no the grace of God compels you to repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. And it got to where I pointed at the potted plant sitting between us on the table. And I said, if I place my faith in this potted plant, and I'm sincere, as the catechism says, and I'm responding to the light that I've been given, and I place my faith in that potted plant, and I worship that potted plant as my God, will I be saved? And he said, yes, with a great big smile and warm heart. And I said, well, let's go one step further. Let's say I'm responding to the grace that I'm given, to the light that I'm given, and I'm trying to live good works, and I've come across Anton LaVey's Bible, the Satanic Bible, and I'm living that out. He paused, but even there, he could not say, no, you will perish in your sins. And I ultimately called him to repentance and faith in the one true God, and I rebuked him for binding up these people who look to him for truth, who look to him for salvation, binding them up under doctrines of demons that will damn their souls. Catholicism is evil, saints. And its evil is clear. It is clear. They must repent of their Catholicism, they must repent of their baptismal regeneration, they must repent of their ecumenical false. Gospel, the good news, you don't have to believe in Jesus. Good news, you can respond to the light given. Good news, you can be a good Muslim and go to heaven. They are liars and the truth is not in them. We must be speakers of truth for love of God and love of their precious souls. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that your word is so clear. We thank you, Lord, that they've made their... Doctors of demons so clear that your word of God, your word exposes them as such. We pray, Father, that we would be clear and remain clear, and that we would clearly declare the holy scriptures, and that the light of the word, the fire of your word, would burn these false doctrines, this false gospel, this satanic church and its antichrist sacraments to the ground, Lord, setting our dear perishing Roman Catholic neighbors free, free from sin, free from Satan, and free from death, Lord. They might truly be born again, washed with the blood of the Lamb. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.